Matthew 28, verses 1 through 8 says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy, and they ran to bring his disciples' word. Christ the Lord is risen today. We serve a risen Savior, and he's in the world today. Amen? Amen. 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 He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Will you pray with me as we begin our service? Father God, we thank you for another opportunity this morning to gather together and worship. We thank you, Father, for what you've done for us on the cross through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that in the power of the resurrection, we can have hope, we can have life, and life everlasting. And we thank you, Lord, that he is risen. And we ask your blessing over this time. Father, may your spirit move amongst this place and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor Russ has already read my, uh, my text this morning from Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1 through verse 8. But I just simply want to reemphasize one phrase. It's in verse 6. He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. Let's say that together. Would you do that with me? He is not here. He is risen. Amen. Amen. To me, this is the morning of all mornings. It's a, there's a festive mood. There's a, there's a wonderful feeling to simply, know, to simply know that Christ is alive. I see it this way, that in those pre-dawn hours, it was the Father who spoke to the Holy Spirit of God and said, it is time and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that spirit came and breathed the life of God into the dead body of God's Son, and he came out of that tomb. He was alive, and he lives today. He lives forever, and it is a wonderful thing. He has risen, and those are exciting words from our Bibles this morning. And what good news. It is tremendous news because this world, so much of this world, has been blinded by Satan and the things that the enemy is doing today. It is a world that has been blighted by sin. And it is good news to know that he is risen and he's alive. It's an incredible message of hope. Because we live among people that many people have little hope in their life. Those of you who talk to other people, oftentimes you discover, you begin to discover sometimes the sense of despair 
that has come over their life like a dark cloud. And there is a, there's a desperation, there is a, there is a hunger, a desire for there's got to be something more in this life than just what I'm doing today. And Christ is the answer to all of that. And amidst of all of the problems that we have in our modern day, when people are still trying to figure out how to work for their salvation and many other things like this, where the forecasts are often gloomy and, <clears throat> and where there's so much uncertainty, and yet today I can express to you there is great hope. There is wonderful hope. There is joy. There is victory, overwhelming victory that God has brought into our lives and into this church. And it's God's Son who is alive, who has come in here today, and he speaks to us. He bears his witness in our hearts to us. And you can speak to him. And the wonder of it all is that he will speak to you. And he's interested in that conversation. He's interested in discovering what's going on in your life. But even more than that, I want to discover what God has for my life. And he's willing to share that. And he's willing to help us to understand all of that. You see, friends, nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus was laid in a tomb and God raised him up, his crucified son from that grave, and that means hope. Folks, I don't serve somebody who is a part-time partial savior. I do not serve somebody who's merely a good example, a moral example, a good teacher. I serve a risen savior, and this savior says, I'm saved to the uttermost. I'm saved completely. I'm not saved part way, half way, 90% way, I'm saved totally. And, I begin, and I've been given the opportunity to live with him forever in his heaven that he has for me. That's what God brings into my life. He's a risen savior. He's not in the grave. The grave is empty. <clears throat> if you travel to Mecca, Saudi Arabia, there in a central square, you'll find a large black box. I'll just describe it that way. And in that box is the bones, the decaying bones of Mohammed, the originator of Islam. He's in the grave. Buddha, Confucius, all of these Eastern religion giants, they are in the grave. And they have stayed there for centuries. Karl Marx, who invented communism in the grave. Joseph Smith, the originator of Mormonism in the grave. Sigmund Freud, the father of modern psychology in the grave. Charles Darwin and his theories of evolution in the grave. Jesus Christ, the grave is empty. He has risen. And he's the only one to do so. He is alive. All through the earthly ministry of Jesus, he said that he was going to die and rise again. 
in three days, and he did exactly that. The Bible says his claim was incredible, and he backs it up. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. And that was disturbing to many people, especially religious people. They didn't understand it, and quite honestly, I don't think they wanted to understand it. But Jesus backs it up by being out of that grave. An empty tomb was all that was left. Folks, we live in a world today that reeks of death and suffering and despair. And there's places where there seems to be little hope. If it were possible, I wonder how many people within a couple miles of this church alone, the radius of this church, are looking at life this morning through the lenses of loneliness through the lenses of broken families and broken hearts, broken dreams, through addictions, through life-controlling habits, through hopelessness. This morning, I know my wife rolled out pretty early. She slept in the family room. <laughs> but when I got up, and I normally get up very early on Sunday mornings and and had a little bit of breakfast, got around. I left earlier than normal. And I want to just tell you what I did. I got in the car, and for about 45 minutes, I drove all over the city of Humboldt, praying every block, praying every home, praying, and asking God, God, that there would be a breakthrough this morning in people's lives, a breakthrough that people that normally stay home on Sunday morning will wake up and say, let's go to church. Let's find a place to worship. Let's get out and see what God has today. Well, he sent some of them our ways because we were packed out this morning and setting up folding chairs and glad for it. I can tell you this. God is alive and he changes lives. He renews hope. He brings forgiveness. He brings peace into our lives. A word that I love to, uh, to see used is that God repurposes our life. We thought we had the purpose. We thought we had the direction and the goal for our life. And then God comes into our life and he repurposes our life. He changes that. Why? Because he changed our heart. He changed the way we think. He changed our attitudes. All of these things... I serve a risen Savior today. He's in the world. You sang it earlier this morning. The only thing this world is able to offer you, and the only thing is some kind of a puny band-aid. And God says, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I like that. I love that. Because of the great things that God is able to do in every person's life. That's exactly the reason we sing, up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph over his foes. He's the victor over a dark domain. And he reigns with us forever. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Jesus Christ is the, the resurrection and the life. And that empty tomb has literally revolutionized the world. He serves notice that I serve a risen Savior this morning. 
And the meaning of that empty tomb for us today is just as real as it was for those women that were on their way to that, to that tomb in those uh, early dawn hours. Just as real as it was for disciples that ran to see if it is true, he is gone. The tomb is empty. It means that Christ has triumphed over the power of death. Death was only able to hold Jesus for a very momentary victory. For a moment. And that's all. And as I mentioned earlier, Paul said it so well in Romans chapter 8, I, that, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if that spirit dwell in you, it will also reign in your mortal body. Because of the resurrection, death no longer has the final word with us. There'll be a day, unless Jesus comes soon, there'll be a day when every one of us will face that reality of our own mortality and our own death. But the wonder of it is, because we can know Christ, because Christ lives within us, he lives within us, the last breath I draw on this planet and the next breath will be in the wonder and the splendor and the majesty and the incredibleness of heaven itself. Death has lost his victory. The grave has lost. And I'm redeemed. The empty tomb also means that Christ bore our sin on his body and he died with our sin in himself. When Jesus died, the power of sin and evil died with him. When he rose victorious, it means that the power of God is greater than the power of sin and death. I'm no longer a slave. I've been set free. We live in a, folks, we live in a throwaway society, don't we? If it's not useful, we throw it away. When we get tired of it, we throw it away. I don't know about your community, but the, the, the humble community has a junk pickup a week from this Monday. And it is almost embarrassing to drive around town. You would think, this looks like a third world dump. You can't believe what people put on the curb. Whole living room sets. If you want, folks, I tell you, if you want furniture, you want doors or windows or whatever, you want a garage door, I don't know. Come to Humboldt, drive around, help yourself. I think the city actually encourages that. But we're a throwaway culture, aren't we? If it doesn't fit, we throw it away. If our marriage isn't working, throw it away. Find somebody new. We throw away people too, don't we? We throw them aside. If they're not normal, we ignore them. We throw them into the corner. We marginalize them. Oregon, the state of Oregon, passed a piece of legislation this week, as I understand, that says if you get old and infirm, or perhaps you have some kind of a mental incapacity, it is okay by state law not to just let you die. We don't have to feed you. We don't have to give you water. You just die. A throwaway culture. How can this happen? It happens because people are without Christ. It happens because people do not have an anchor 
in their life at all. It happens because there is not a central point, a hub that says, this is ground zero. This is where understanding and wisdom and knowledge and counsel arrives at, comes from. Thank God he never made you disposable. Thank God God knows every one of you. And one of the most wonderful things is you look in Isaiah chapter 49 and you'll find something inscribed in that, in that, uh, in that passage where it says, and God has put your name on the palm of his hand. To me that says I'm valuable. Lisa, God's name, your name, Lisa, L-E-S-A. Pretty good, huh? It's on the palm of his hand. Miranda, palm of his hand. Boys, listen to me. Joe and Jackson, your names are on the palm of God's hand. You're not throwaways. You're valuable. And God says you're precious. You're precious. And we could say that to others in this room. The preciousness of your life the value of your soul, the value of who you are. It's not a matter of how much can I contribute. It's the fact that I'm a soul that Jesus Christ died for, and that is the value. And my name's on his hand. God knows my name. Listen to me, folks. You'll never understand really much of anything about Easter. To a lot of people, it's the Easter bunny and it's Easter eggs and it's all of this other stuff. Maybe that's fine and dandy and everything. You handle it the way you want, but it's so much for. It's the resurrection and the life. It's the empty tomb and all of the benefits of salvation that comes with it when I identify with Christ on the cross of Calvary. It's all of that. He was bruised. And Jesus brought healing. He was persecuted and he brought freedom. He was dead and was brought back to life. He is risen and he brings power. He reigns and he brings peace. The world doesn't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools cannot explain him. Leaders cannot ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. The New Agers have tried to replace him, and Oprah can't explain him. He is light, he is love, he is the Lord. He is grace, he is goodness, he is gladness, and he is God Almighty. He is righteous, he is mighty, he is holy, and he's powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, his ways are always right. His word is eternal. And his will is unchanging. His mind is on me. And he is my redeemer. And he is my Lord. He is my savior. I serve him because his burden is light. And his goal for me is an abundant life. I follow him because he's wisdom for the wise. Leader of leaders and the overcomer of all. He was and is and is to come. He is the Almighty. That's who he is. And the greatest thing about this service 
The greatest thing about this church service this morning is that you can walk out of this place knowing that you have forgiveness, knowing that your sins are set aside and, and remember no more, knowing, knowing that eternal life is yours to claim, life everlasting. Wouldn't that be terrific to know today that if you were to die, you would live forever in eternity with heaven? I've talked to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people anyway, but I've talked to these people. I talk to Do you know for sure if you're going to have, Well, I think so, Pastor. That's not a good answer. I hope so. That's not a good answer. Pastor, I've really tried to live my life where the good is going to outweigh the bad, and I think God takes that into account. That's a nice philosophy, but it won't get you into heaven. It will not get you there. Only faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of your life, that is the only way to heaven. Jesus said it best. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no person, no man, no woman, no child comes unto me but by, comes to me but by the Son. No one. If you've figured out a way to get to heaven, then it's your way. It's not God's way. If you've cooked up some plan, some scheme that says, I believe God will recognize this. I think God will... God will somehow just sort of say, oh, well, I just forget. You know, come on in. No, he won't. That isn't going to happen. It won't happen to a one of us. It requires our repentance from sin. It requires us to confess our sin. It requires us to ask Jesus Christ literally to be the Lord of our life and save us. Number one, the Bible says if we confess our sin, I'm sorry, if we confess with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible simply says, you will be saved. It doesn't get any more simple than that. The devil may try to confound it, confuse it, turn it upside down, and in your own mind, you may try to reinvent it, refashion it, but it is so simple. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Number two, when I ask Christ to come into my life, I'm also agreeing with God that I, I am to repent of my sin. Not just feel sorry for it, but I'm talking about repentance. And repentance means not only feeling sorry for it, but getting away from it. We're turning in a total new direction in our life. We're going to God. And that can start this morning. That can start this morning. And number three, the assurance. The assurance that I walk out of this place with today because God has said, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. Listen to me, saints. Listen to me, people. God doesn't want this to be a guess. God doesn't want this to be a roll of the dice and if they come up right, I get to heaven. He says, I want you to know that you have eternal life. I want you to know it. And I want to know it. I want to understand it. I want to know it. So here's what we're going to be doing today in a little bit. 
We're simply going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to lift, pray with me, and then I'm going to ask you to lift your hand while we, when we're, actually, we'll still finish up praying and everything. That's all we're going to ask. That's it. So what's your verdict today about Jesus? What's your verdict about him? Because I tell you what, folks, there's a lot writing on it. Literally, eternity rides on it. I have to be plain with you. There's only two places eternity is going to happen. One is either in heaven or one is in hell. You don't go to hell and think that someday I get out of it and God changes his mind. You're there forever. I go to heaven. I'm there forever. But you make the decision. You make a decision. Jesus himself said in John chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who would believe on his name. So simple. We have kids back there in kids' church. They get it. They can understand it. And if a kid can understand it at five years old, I'm guessing an adult at 40 years old can get it too. It's simple, childlike faith. Jesus also said in the same book, later on he said, if you do not believe that I am the one that I claim, then you will indeed die in your sin. There's two pathways here this morning. Two distinct roads. Roads. Choose Christ. Choose his path. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible resurrection Sunday morning. We are so thankful for the words of this Bible that says, he is not here, he has risen. Father, we thank you today that you desire, you desire to, to, that everybody, everybody that can hear my voice today, you desire that they walk with you, that they know you. That is your will. That is your desire for their life. Your will is for them to walk with you. Your will is for them to ask for the forgiveness of sin and repentance to follow and belief and faith in Christ. So, Father, today I pray that in the name of Jesus, there is going to be people in this room that are going to follow this simple little prayer. And they're going to pray it. And they're going to pray it with full meaning because they realize eternity hangs in a balance. Praying right now, dear Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. I recognize that I am a sinner. I know that doesn't sound good, but I'm a sinner. And I also know I can't save myself. Dear Father, I pray that Jesus would come into my heart and into my life today to forgive my sin, live in my heart. I repent of my sin. Not just feeling sorry, but I want to turn in my life. I want a new life. I want a changed life. 
And so I repent of my sin, and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And I believe that he came and he died for me on a cross. He rose from the dead, and he lives for me today. Today, by faith, by simple childlike faith, I say, Jesus, come into my heart and live in me. And I ask it by faith in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I pray that you would confirm and seal that in people's lives today. Today, while our heads are continue to be bowed in reverence and prayer, with, not, with no one looking about, could I ask those who just simply prayed that, would you just now lift your hand, put it back down, lift it up, bring it down. You've done that. You want that. And that was for you. And you meant it. Do it right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Good. So, Father, I thank you this morning for helping people to invite Christ to be the Lord of their life. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Everything about Easter, friends, stands for life. Absolutely, absolutely everything. And today is the greatest day, I think, on the calendar of any uh, of the year. Why not receive the life of God today personally in your life, making it real, bringing new hope in the revelation of God in your life. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me for the blessing of God? Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands together. Father, now unto him who is able to present each one of us faultless before the throne of his glory. We pray and we call out unto the only wise, true God and Savior of our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank him for the victory that has been won in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.